Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone, I'm Chris Wynn. Welcome to the Rocker Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen where we prepare for the return of League One action after focusing solely on Sunderland ladies for a weekend while Gareth Southgate's England do their thing. So to get us back up to speed with all things League One as well as get a neutral view of Sunderland from outside the bubble that most of us live, which will be interesting to hear, uh, we're very pleased to welcome the Sky Sports EFL editor, Simeon Golan. Hello Simeon. Hello mate, how are you doing? You well? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. I'm, as I said, I'm looking forward to to hearing what somebody from outside the kind of Sunderland bubble thinks of us at the minute. But but how are you keeping? Yeah, good. So I'm I'm based in West London, so I'm about as far out of the bubble as you can possibly get. So hopefully, I'll try and provide <laughs> provide a bit of perspective on things that are going on without trying to. Yeah, so it should be good. I'm looking forward to it. Good stuff. Well, per- perfect to hear you way outside the bubble. That'd be interesting <laughs> to hear. But, uh, but I mean, just quickly, I mean, your role being all about the EFL, because obviously being in the midst of an international break, how, how do you find that? Is it is it time for you that you're able to kind of catch up on things or do you f- just find it frustrating that there isn't a full set of fixtures to talk about? I don't mind it too much because it's a good time to reflect on what's happened. Obviously, the championship takes a break, which is sometimes our main focus because that's where all our games are on and obviously our job is to promote the games that are on Sky. Mm-hmm. It does give us an opportunity to do more interviews in the lower leagues like we'll get on to. I've done a few Sunday interviews, Lee Johnson, Eddie Hamilton. I've spoken to, I spoke to a Plymouth's manager last week, for example, all kinds of players and teams. It does give you a chance to then catch up on the stories that you might be missing whilst all the hectic mm-hmm. madness of all the games are going on. Because obviously, as you guys are aware, everyone, the last year or two has been absolutely crazy in terms of games and midweek rounds and this and that and the other so I actually really enjoy the international break it's a time to collect thoughts and sort of move on and obviously you guys don't normally play anyway because you generally have international call-ups and stuff so it's a it's a two-week break for you as well to relax and see what's going on so yeah I like it <laughs> I like that you use the term relax I'm not sure we ever relax <laughs> in a in a two-week uh, period off for Sunderland but uh, but yeah I mean a, a bit about you as well Sim you know I mean before I ask you uh, if Sunderland are going to be promoted this year of course um, <laughs> I said in the intro um, you were the EFL editor for Sky Sports so so how did you end up in that role and kind of what are your main tasks uh, being the EFL editor for Sky Sports? Well I kind of wandered into it a little bit when uh, Skybet started sponsoring the league and they got a role in it at Sky Sports to help produce and promote and for content for the EFL and that type of thing. So I've been doing this job for about four or five years, which is pretty much the entire stretch of time you guys have been back down in the Football League. So I've kind of 
seen most of it. I've covered most of it. I've experienced most of it. I've been at a lot of the playoff nightmares and that type of thing. So yeah, <laughs> it's um it's been an interesting watch. Obviously for me, obviously I'm not quite as emotionally invested as everyone listening this will be. So it's Sunderland are always a story. You know, they're always a story of whatever's mm. happening. That's why they make such a good documentary about them. So it's it's always a fascinating watch to see what's going on at the club because it just means so much to so many people. But that's why we love the game because it means so much. If it didn't mean so much, it wouldn't matter as much. So, yeah. yeah. And in terms of what I do for the website, I cover all the football leagues. So Championship League 1, League 2, all the sort of blogs you see on the website, that will mostly be me, features, interviews, that kind of thing. So I I speak to managers, I speak to players, we write features, we do podcasts, we do this and that and the other. We do Prutton's predictions, which you guys might remember from your time in the championship. I'm sure there are still fans angry from whether we predicted you to lose. I can apologise for that. Hopefully you'll be back in the championship soon so you can all get angry at us again for doing that. So yeah, that, that's me basically. The Football League, I love it. I'm a fan of a club. I won't say which one, but they were in the Football League for a very long time and I never expected them to be in the Premier League. I'm sure you can, might be able to narrow, at least narrow it down to which one it might be from that uh, but yeah, it's it's just I love covering the football league because it's it's different every year. I find it in a different way to the Premier League, where the Premier League is amazing, but the stories, especially at the top, are quite similar all the time. Every year, it's the same players, same managers. In the football league, it feels like every year is kind of a hard reset. The best teams go up, the worst teams go down. Everyone changes, different games, different players, different managers all the time, and it's just it's great. I love it. I love the world. I love everything about it. So, however much everyone wants to escape it when they can and get back to the Premier League, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, just on that, I mean, you, you just kind of touched on it there, but is it kind of difficult to stretch yourself across the divisions in terms of, you know, the latest on what's going on, you know, with the coverage? Because I imagine you must just naturally gravitate towards the race for the Premier League, but I mean, towards the business end of the season, ends up being five other races for promotion and relegation across the league. Yeah, I mean, it's it's impossible to cut. It's hard enough covering one club or one league. We cover 72, and obviously, naturally, Sky Sports, my role is to promote the games that are live on Sky. That is mostly the championship. We don't get as many League 1 and 2 games as we'd like, but that's just because of the contractual situations, what we can and can't do in terms of what we can broadcast. So, But that's why I say that's why I like the international break, because it does give you a chance to dip down into League 1 and 2. And obviously, once the promotion and relegation races start hotting up towards the end of the season, that's when we can really turn our attention to it. And obviously... The playoffs as well, which I, I don't, I'm sure is something I love much more than Sunderland fans do after the last few years. But it does give me a chance to get around the country and get to games in a way I can't normally do. Obviously, COVID's ruined that a bit in the last couple of years. But before then, I mean, I was down in Portsmouth, Sunderland. I saw the final against Charlton. I was there. It was obviously, again, nightmare for you guys. Apologies. But it was brilliant for me and for us to cover it and give the league's a bit of exposure that we all have and a bit of attention away from the, the mad world of the Premier League. So Yeah, we, we're getting used to it now, I think. I think just about. <laughs> we're pretty sick of it, but we're getting used to it. But, uh, but I mean, I mean specifically in terms of League One this year, I mean, you know, I hope I'm, I'm kind of older than I look, but uh, I've known kind of the odd big profile side to drop down in the past. I mean, you know, you think back quite a few years ago, Wolves, Leeds, Sheffield United, you know, years gone by, dropped down to League One. But this season you've got Charlton, Bolton, Portsmouth, Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich, as well as ourselves, who traditionally, you know, you would think of, you know, operating at the uh, the higher tiers. I mean, mm. do you think that this current flop we've got in League One, do you think it's a, maybe a result of kind of modern day finances in football and something we might see more often, you know, especially looking at the likes of Derby at the moment? Or do you think it's just one of those cycles we're having in football? I feel like it's turned into a bit of a mismanaged <laughs> 
a, a league of former mismanaged Premier League clubs, hasn't it? Because there are a lot of clubs that are well run. There are a lot of clubs that are poorly run. Hopefully for your guys, you're one of the well run ones now. Whereas that obviously hasn't been the case in the last few years, which is why you've ended up where you are. A club like Sunderland should never be in League One. And there are there is a bit of a theme running between most of the clubs in League One, which is it's what makes it such a mad league because it's not just the teams that have been in the Premier League yourselves, Portsmouth, Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, I'm I'm 31, so my football upbringing was sort of late 90s, early noughties. That was when I mainly went mad about the game. And to be honest, some of the table now looks like the bottom half of the Premier League from when I was growing up following football, which is yeah. just mad when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. And But it's what makes it such an interesting league to cover. But it also, from your guys' perspective, is what makes it such a difficult league to get out of because there's two automatic promotion spots the playoffs are the playoffs and there's about nine or ten teams are all in a similar boat to you in terms of trying to get out of it and it's just a scrap and you're scrapping with teams that are so much smaller. I mean, there was all the talk of, remember when you played Accrington for the first time a few years ago and the gap in size between the clubs and what it means and how big a deal it is for players who have come through the lower leagues playing for smaller teams to then go and play at Sunderland against Sunderland having seen them in the Premier League four or five years ago and it just makes it so much more competitive and more difficult. And I know you guys don't want to be there, but you must, in a way, kind of enjoy the madness of it a little bit. It's it's part of being a Sunderland fan, isn't it? The chaos. So. It is. I, I I have to admit, I enjoyed the first season, and then the novelty kind of wore off fairly quickly. <laughs> but but I mean, like like you've just said, I mean, you know, apart from those kind of set of clubs that we're talking about, which is which is pretty incredible. Like you said, they've all kind of dropped down from. Well, again, I'm with you. You know, maybe a bit, a few years, maybe before you, but. All those clubs were kind of in the Premier League then. And, you know, there's clubs that we haven't mentioned, you know, Wickham, Rotherham, MK Dons, who were up there at the moment, probably a bunch of others as well. You were talking at the start of the season, before ball was kicked, 10 to 12 clubs who th- mm. probably thought they had a chance of promotion. I mean, maybe coming from a Sunderland fan, but it'd be good to get your perspective on if I, if I made the statement to say this has certainly been the strongest League One I've seen since Sunderland dropped down. But probably for as long as I can remember in terms of being the strongest third tier. It's certainly the strongest top half of the table I've seen in a long time. I don't even remember a couple of years ago when there was the the mad race at the bottom where about 15 mm. teams could go down. But now <laughs> it kind of feels like it might be the opposite this season. We might get to the point where there's four or five games to go and there's still about 15 teams that could finish second or get to the playoffs or something like that. It just has mm. that feel about it because there's just so many teams vying to get out and because after a while the money becomes a bit of a leveller in that league as well in terms of their clubs are having to cut their budgets their clubs clubs sort of going the other way to try and get out of the league but they don't have the owners and the investors say in the championship where there can be more of an an imbalance in finances if that makes sense so yeah it does lead to these kinds of just like cascades of teams that are all just trying to move in the same direction I interviewed Ryan Lowe the Plymouth manager last week and I just and I was talking to him about the madness of the clubs that have been in the Premier League and obviously Rotherham and Wickham in the Championship last season, Sheffield Wednesday in the Championship last season obviously as well, but they were, we talked about them in former Premier League terms. And he was saying Plymouth were a big club as well. They had 16,000 through the door um, for the Ipswich game a few weeks ago and they're top of the league at the moment. And they're a team no one was talking about at the start of the season who've just kind of come up and just had this crazy start of the season. They could be, again, taking one of those spots that the likes of you, Ipswich and Portsmouth, you feel should have been fighting over so it's just it's so competitive it's it's crazy really yeah I mean, as you said but i mean who would have thought you know plymouth would be 
kind of leading the pack, you know, after, you know, they've only lost once in 17, you know, finished 18th last season, which is pretty mm. incredible. You know, Ryan, like you said, Ryan Law's doing an incredible job. But, I mean, you know, we've had teams like this, you know, a lot of people thought Wickham were going to drop away, you know, the season they went up and yeah. things like that. I mean, is it a bit lazy to say they're going to have a dip at some point? Because you imagine kind of the festive schedule is going to, going to test their squad. It all depends on the depth of the squad. I mean, back to a Sunderland perspective, I am a bit worried about the depth of your squad sometimes this season, which I think has might have been what's caused you a few problems recently. I'm sure we'll get into that later. But yeah, it's it's again, you, you don't know because you would have thought the same would have happened to Wickham when they went up a couple of years ago. I know it was a bit more contentious the way they went up in the end. But that's, again, it's one of the things I like about the Football League in terms of, you know, again, in the Premier League, you do get obviously the crazy Leicester story, but you can't compare everything to the, craziest thing that's happened in football history most time it will be the teams at the top ending up near the top whereas in the lower leagues there is less of an issue in terms of just being able to have money and build a squad and teams like Plymouth can get a good manager in get a good system get a good shape get some good players who fit it all in it all can just come together and they can win promotion you see that with Coventry this year in the championship so far as well they were one of the teams tipped for relegation and they're flying high in the top six at the moment obviously you have Fulham and West Brom at the top because of the parachute payments and stuff but that's a conversation for another day but that is league one and you, you you just can't call it sometimes i didn't call mk dons being this high up the table with a, a 33 year old manager either and they're in fifth place <laughs> as well so yeah it's it's wild really yeah and it, it is amazing when you when you come to mention it you do i mean across all three leagues in the in the kind of the football league you always get that team in the top six that mm. nobody expected to be there you know, sometimes it's the one who's sniffing around mid-table and wins their last three games or something like that. But uh, but yeah, it's amazing in that sense. But we move on to Sunderland. And as we said, kind of the, obviously new owner, Kirill Dreyfus, took over at the beginning of the year. Lee Johnson arrived just before that. Um, and after failing in the playoffs last season, which you've already mentioned, um, yeah. it's becoming a, a nice... Uh, oh, well, and I was going to say a nice <laughs> habit, but an annoying habit. We had a bit of a clear out where our 30-goal Striker left in Charlie White, Captain Max Power, as well as the likes of Grant Ledbetter, Josh Scowen, Chris mm. McGuire. I mean, from the outside, did that look like a really brave call to almost rip up that team who finished in the playoffs and start again? Or did it make sense from the outside that Sunderland should start again like that? I, I do think it almost had to happen because there, there was a lot of, again, not to say how Sunderland fans are feeling, but there was a feeling that that, squad needed to be refreshed and revitalized it kind of come as far as it could go in a way they'd had a couple of stabs at the playoffs hadn't quite worked out and to maybe take that next level especially if you're bringing in a new manager like Lee Johnson and a new owner and you want to take the club in a new direction with the money getting tighter and tighter as well the longer you spend in this league it kind of it did have to happen at one point whether it needed to be that drastic and you maybe could have held on to a couple more is a debatable topic maybe it could have helped and now with the results turning a little bit, it does look like a bit of experience and there might have helped and a bit of know-how, but it's the decision's been made and you've just got to kind of live with it now and see where you can take it. I mean, no one was asking this question a month ago. It's just when we get into the thick <laughs> of the games a little bit, but we know how quickly these things can turn. So I completely understand the frustration from a Sunderland fan about the way things are at the moment, but it's hard to question the decisions right now after a few bad results. If it keeps going like this, then maybe, but right now I still feel like it was the right decision to take the club in the new direction. It needed a, a fresh start and you start to get rid of some old faces, bring some new ones in and just kind of kick on from there. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, those players I listed before, you know, all have got experience at this level. Well, a lot of experience at this level. But, you know, we've clearly gone down the route of bringing the age of the squad down. Likes of Niall Huggins from Leeds, 20-year-old. Dennis Sergan from Spurs, 19. They joined permanently. Callum Doyle signed on loan from Manchester City. Um, I think, well, I think he's just turned 18. He was, I think he was 17 at the start of the season. But that is a huge risk at this level because quite often managers use experience to do well at this level and mm-hmm. we've gone completely the other way and to do it as quickly as we did almost in one summer the owners and the manager you know put everything on the line and that, that's a huge risk it's a huge call to take yeah agreed and again I think it was the Portsmouth game wasn't it where it all started to look a bit that was where the the sort I know you had a couple wins after that but that was the you got smashed off the park in the rain essentially didn't you on the south coast and that was the water polo (laughs) (laughs) that was the first time a few of your young players really started to look like the young players they were rather than experienced as obviously the players come through sort of Dan Neal and stuff as well um Embleton I know he had experience last season as well but yeah it's it it started to look like a young squad that day and oh you got to bounce back a little bit but then specifically the result against Rotherham you have to remember I know it's hard to say as a Sunderland fan, because Sunderland are a bigger club than Rotherham, Sunderland should be at a higher level, but Rotherham are a team that have been up and down and up and down. They're a team that were playing in the championship last season. They're a battle-hardened side, and results like that are going to happen when you have a young team, even if you are Sunderland. It's it's just a, a matter of fact. Those things are going to happen, and it's just about how quickly you can recover from them. But obviously, the problem is now the mood turns a little bit. The streaky Lee nicknames come out again, because that's just his reputation. But... He said, he declared, when I, again, going back to the interview I did with him, he talked about the fact he likes to work with young players with potential and mix them in with experience. The problem is, is when the experienced players start to dip a little bit as well. That's when the problems come in if they're there to, if they're not there to help dig out the youngsters through the difficult times. And I feel like that is as much of a problem as the youngsters as well, perhaps, in terms of what they're offering from a pitch. It'd be interesting to hear some fans' perspective on that as well. But that is, from the outset, that is what it looks like to me a little bit in terms of maybe a few players like, Alex Pritchard, for one, potentially not entirely pulling their weight in the team when they could be doing a little bit better. So, yeah, it's it's a problem. But then it's still early days in terms of this run. You're still in a decent position, a couple of wins, and you're right back up there and things are looking rosy again. So you just, you never know, really. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, I'll come back onto that uh, Lee, <laughs> Lee Johnson tag. I'll, I'll yeah. quiz you about that in a minute. But, uh, but yeah, like you said, I mean, we came out uh, the, flying out the block, start of the season, won seven of the first nine, won first, six home games this season and like I said that that interview with uh, Lee Johnson was just after he'd won manager of the month for August I think it was yeah um, I might have been the beginning of September but I mean there was a there was a lot of people who were kind of sitting up and taking notice at the start of Sunderland of mid not just because oh it's Sunderland and maybe they it's about time they did so they had a run like mm. that in league <laughs> one but but also because like we said the owners and the management made such a big call cleared the decks of all these experienced players and we came out flying with all these young players and we we were getting a lot of attention in that in kind of August, September. Yeah, I mean, he won, he won Manager of Month, didn't he? That's why I spoke to mm-hmm. him. And again, I'm not here to tell Southern fans how to feel. The problem with social media now is that you, you do see the most knee-jerk instant reactions from people in terms of... And when I did the interview, there was so much positive reception in terms of fans. Obviously, he was flavour of the month then and then the results turned and suddenly it's been about three or four weeks and then we've got to get him out. Obviously, it hasn't helped with the run of cup games as well, aside from the QPR result. However, interestingly, interestingly, you got through that match, so we say against QPR. But yeah, it was. Um, it's, it's just how quickly things can turn. I still think he is very much the right man to go forward. There are going to be a few bumpy 
times in these leagues because the league is so flat. You're going to get bad runs of games, a few tricky teams. Obviously, the one and sort of bad, really bad result there was probably Charlton at home in a game you should have won, somehow lost. And if that goes the other way, it doesn't look quite as bad. But when you're playing Rotherham, Sheffield Wednesday, teams that are in the Championship last season, it's always going to be difficult. And obviously, you want to win every game, but it's just not going to happen. You're going to have bad times in season. You're going to have bad spells. It's just about how quickly you get out of it and turn it around. The nature of the way your games have fallen hasn't helped recently with so many kind of cut games interjected. You haven't played, you've played one game at home in the league for about... In, in, five or six weeks some ridiculous like that that doesn't help the situation you've got games in hand all the teams above you it's not time to start worrying yet lose four more in a row then you can start worrying until then just yeah give the guy time and see how he can turn it around and get these young players and hopefully the experienced heads moving again and in the right direction hopefully starting against Ipswich on Saturday See that that's that's why it's always good to get a view from the outside. You see, and then you're not as invested. But but I mean, one player that you talked to Lee Johnson about in that interview was uh, was Dan Neil. Um, I mean, especially you know, fantastic start of the season. Um, and it in what is basically his full first full season as a senior pro. You know, week in week out, game after game, yeah. he's just signed a new contract. But um, I mean, do you think the reports that he's attracting interest from further up the the food chain are, are accurate? And people are actually keeping tabs on it? I mean, there are always people watching. Whenever a young player comes through, especially an English young player, a team like Sunderland, obviously because he is one of your own and you're such a big club, you're going to get more attention than, say, someone like, I know he's a bit older, but someone like Scott Twine, MK Dons, who has been brilliant, but obviously it's not going to get the same general attention because there aren't as many people talking about him because his story is great. He's what we all want from football. He's the, the lad from the terraces who's grown up watching the game. And now he's playing for the team. It's, it's everyone's dream, isn't it? It's what we all want to see. It's what we all want to be a part of. I wouldn't say it's affected him too much. I wouldn't say it's... Yeah, I mean, there are, there will be people watching just because of the club and how well he's playing. It's just a matter of fact. It's unfortunately, it's your position in the food chain at the moment. The fact he signed a new deal is a very good sign because there was talk he might not. The best thing for him right now and any young player you could give advice to is just stay somewhere where you're playing and playing in your best position and given the opportunity to make mistakes and develop your game because if you go up further and don't play it's just going to harm your confidence it's just going to set you back in your career so he's in the best place for him right now because everyone loves him and he's he's doing great he's probably one of your best players of the season so far quite easily if not the best apart from maybe Ross Stewart has been scoring the goals but yeah it's been it's been great to see it's always a great story when something like that happens so long may it continue yeah, it was interesting in your interview with Lee Johnson when he was talking about Dan Neil looking at nice cars and Lee Johnson was <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, you know, just um, just uh, calm down there. But uh, in, in a separate interview at the beginning of last month, you caught up with uh, Elliot Embleton, hmm. who's also had a good start to the season, um, although he, I think he's red card the a few weeks back. But, I mean, it was a strange move last season when he went on loan to, to Blackpool, but he's come back a different player in terms of his confidence, just, you know, what he what he sees on the pitch is completely different to, to before he had that loan move. And that came across in, in your interview that you had with him. I mean, did it come across to you that you were speaking to someone who was really enjoying their football? Yeah, I mean, he was a lovely kid for one. Um, really enjoyable to speak to. He looks like he's really enjoying himself. He, you, I speak to a lot of footballers and you can generally tell when someone just really loves the game, studies the game. He grew up playing with his dad. Again, another young Sunderland fan who's living his dream. And he just... He looks so much happier now at Sunderland than he was a couple of years ago just because he's, he's part of it. He's had that run. He, he talked all about the confidence that last season gave him. Obviously, it wasn't ideal for you. And I, I mentioned in the interview that if I imagine if Sunderland had any idea that Blackpool were going to go on that run and end up winning the playoffs ahead of them, they probably wouldn't have yeah. sanctioned a loan move in the first <laughs> place. I don't think anyone saw that coming. 
but what was sort of not ideal for you last season has probably worked out for you this season in terms of just the player is and it just makes you realize how important confidence is to a player in terms of their performances you can have all the ability in the world but if you don't have the sort of the confidence in yourself to apply it then it's just not going to happen for you I don't believe there's a a linear kind of pathway in terms of talent from League Two to the Premier League. There's other, there's so many other factors at play as well. And any player from any league, if they have the talent, can get from there to there. But it's just all the other, it's the mental side of the game and that kind of thing that makes such a big difference to him. And that's how you can see he just looks so much more confident in himself than he was a couple of years ago. Just And he kept speaking about the promotion and what it did for him. I kept kind of prodding him a little bit and asking him what would have happened if he played, if you guys had got to the final and that kind of thing. He wasn't having it. He was very, very professional about the whole thing. But yeah, he was. It, it was great to see, and obviously, his again the red card is form as with most of players has dipped a little bit in recent weeks. But I fully expect it to come back soon. It's just another one of those things where he is still a young player, and it will go up and down for him. But when it goes up, he's he's got a very very high level, and he's he's incredible to watch just because of how two footed he is and what he yeah. can do with the ball. And I'm sure you guys love watching him play when he's on form at the Stadium of Light. So yeah, it's good to see him getting a, a run of games and getting fit again. But uh, mm. but just I mean just quickly going back to that that piece um, that when you spoke to Lee Johnson uh, from earlier in the season, you wrote in that piece and, and I took a line from it. You said, of course, all this type of thing can quickly unravel if results start <laughs> going against you. Um, and, and you've already you've already touched on kind of that the, the that was turning form uh, recently, but um, but obviously it went off the rails a little bit with losing the last three games, but. I mean, has it surprised you from from the outside looking in the level of reaction from Sunderland fans in what seems like, you know, going to the games, it's a vocal minority at the moment, but some are actually calling for, for Lee Johnson to go. I mean, but it's our first bad run of the season in what is a new young squad. So has that been surprising to you from, from the outside? I mean, nothing really surprises me in football anymore, to be honest, <laughs> with this kind of thing. I mean, maybe I wasn't expecting the reaction to be quite so vociferous so quickly after, but it's just because of how bad some of the results have been lately. And obviously the cup exit as well and this kind of thing, it hasn't helped the situation. I always expect things to unravel very quickly in this game because they always do. I have a I have a historic tendency of interviewing managers for manager a month and then them losing the next game and we have to speak <laughs> to them after because generally there can be a few days and they've just been turned over 3-0 and we have to talk about how brilliant their form's been for the last month, which is never a good position to be in. Um, and generally also managers then getting sacked about three weeks later after they've lost four games. And I remember I did Vladimir Ivich last season, the Watford manager, very briefly, who I spoke to him for manager of the month. Terrifying bloke. Um, and then literally <laughs> I put the interview out and about three days later he got sacked. And I remember tweeting out, oh, here's the interview I did with December manager of the month, Vladimir Ivich has been sacked by Watford three days later. So you just literally, you never know. And another one, uh, Jonathan Woodgate when he was at Middlesbrough I spoke to him and I remember the interview the piece was called how Woodgate's plan came together and then I think they lost about 12 of the next 17 and he got sacked as well so it's just yeah it's you can never plan too far ahead in these leagues I I learnt that the hard way early on where the season Cardiff went up under Neil Warnock from the championship and I did a piece ahead of time when they were flying to put out between Christmas and New Year because they were doing brilliantly and then they lost four games on the bounce in eight days and I just had to scrap the whole thing. So it's just, you, literally, it can happen so fast in this league. But it, again, it can turn the other way very quickly as well. So you just have to give the guy time and believe he's the right man for the job. And I always look at these types of situations where maybe Jack Ross should have got more time, maybe Phil Parkinson probably got a bit too much time. 
But it does get to the point where if no manager is the right man, then it can't just be the manager. There has to be some kind of patience to give them the chance to get the job right and get it done and push on if you genuinely believe you've got the right man. And in Lee Johnson, I'm a big fan of him, genuinely. I've followed him for a long time, obviously, in this job when he was at Bristol City. You look at Bristol City now, they wanted to get rid of him and they're no better off without him than they were with him in terms of the results they have and where they are in the championship. And now they wanted to get rid of the next guy. Now they want to get rid of Nigel Pearson. So it's just... I feel like it's just the easiest thing to do now. It's just let's sack the manager. Sort of let's let's deal with it like that and that'll sort out the problems. And then you'll bring in someone else who win three games, everything will be rosy again, and then you'll lose the next four games and suddenly it's it's panic stations again. You just have to accept when you're not one of the biggest three clubs in England or the world, you are gonna go on runs where you lose games. It's gonna happen, you're gonna have bad results. It's just about how it turns from there and gets better. And I believe it. I genuinely believe it will, because I genuinely think he is a brilliant manager. You've got a brilliant young side that will work under him. You'll keep adding. I reckon he'll probably bring in a couple more in January and hopefully that will sort of sort things out and you will be in amongst. But it was never going to be an 115-point season where you cruise into the championship, unfortunately. It's just not realistic in League One with the competition there, unfortunately. You're going to have to buy with him and I genuinely believe he is the right man to get you back to where you need to be if it's this season or next season. I, I do genuinely think it. So stick with him yeah. or don't listen to me. There's no reason to listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about. So, <laughs> well, well, it, it it is the season. I think we're the the only club in the in the northeast who've not sacked their manager over the last few weeks. But uh, I think you mentioned earlier as well about you know maybe not releasing all of those players and the size of our squad. And we talked earlier as well about being a young squad. But if you take out Jordan Willis and Imagely who are long term injuries, we've got a squad of around twenty one senior senior pros really and seven of those are playing their first full season in senior football two games a week if, if you know where fixtures come thick and fast I mean was it always likely that a young squad like this has a dip when it you know stops becoming a novelty and the grind of the fixture list starts coming into play yeah I mean you have to rotate a bit in this league with so many competitions to balance and this and that and the other and Maybe your Carabao Cup run, as brilliant as it's been, hasn't helped entirely with that as well. Maybe some of the focus has been on that. Because some of your, I was reading, some of your Cup players have been doing very well from the games I've seen. And there have been calls to maybe bring a few more in from there. And there's been a bit of criticism about Lee Johnson in terms of just picking the same league side, whatever the result of the last game, and not giving some of those other players a chance. But then it's not easy just to throw a young player into a league game for the first time and say, here, do this, because it can just, again... If they had a bad, if they have a bad game, it can be such a setback so quickly. And Lee knows that he he's worked with so many young players. It's what he considers one of his specialties. He said it to me when I spoke to him. He said, "Working with young players, is what I do," and he understands their needs and what they need. And some of them need time and patience. Some of them can't play every week, and some of them you can't just throw someone in on a Tuesday night at Accrington and say do a job because they could just get absolutely battered off the park, and then you've got a real problem for the next few months with an eighteen or nineteen year old kid who's just basically lost the will to ever play football again because he just had the hell kicked out of him for 90 minutes at the Wham Stadium. So you just, you don't know really. But yeah, it's, again, it's, it was not going to be easy, but I think you probably do need one or two more in January. A few more experienced heads would help. Maybe a few older loanies. I don't know what the situation is there because you've already got a lot of players on, on loan at the club. But yeah, it, it would help. And maybe some, some goal scoring support for Ross Stewart as well would be useful because you have become very reliant on him this season as you were Charlie White last season. So that could be of benefit. But obviously you have to get through to January 1st before you can worry about that too much. And there's a lot of games between now and then to think of. So, Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and you mentioned it earlier, um, so I'll bring it up again. This accusation that's thrown at, at Lee Johnson that his sides go on runs, good runs, bad runs. You know, former clubs, he did it at Barnsley, Bristol City. Probably could be argued last season with Sunderland. Fantastic mm. run at the start, then it tailed off, although squad was limited uh, in options last season. But uh, do you think there's, there's something in that where... You know, maybe it's linked to his style of play, or do you think people just make a bit much of the inevitable ups and downs that teams have in a season? I mean, it has been going on for quite a long time, so maybe there is more in it than just it being a quirk of a year or two. Because I remember the Bristol mm. City team that briefly looked like they were going to challenge for automatic promotion from the Championship and then fell away completely. But again, that might have been a squad depth issue. Maybe he does take too long when things aren't going right to make the changes that need to be made to get things back on course. That's a possibility because that would make sense if you have a run of five, six games and then you tweak things and then teams clock on to you. Sorry to refer things back to the championship again, but you've seen, for example, West Brom, how good they looked at the start of the season and then teams cottoned on to how they were playing and it became very easy to stop them very quickly. You have to remember in football, there are 11 players at the other end of the pitch trying to stop you doing what you're trying to do as well. So maybe that is a problem with him. He doesn't change things quickly enough, perhaps. And I know he has tried to tweak things a little bit lately in terms of the midfield and the shape and stuff like that. That didn't really help at Sheffield Wednesday, I know. But yeah, I think it is an issue. It is something he does need to resolve, but he is still a young manager himself. I know he's been in the game for a long time. But yeah, I, I do think it will turn and I don't think it's just going to be something that happens forever in terms of 10 wins, 10 losses. But there is something in it and there is a reason why he does have the nickname Streaky Lee. I can't deny it. <laughs> so yeah, it is it is what it is. And it might be something you have to put up with for a little while while he tries and gets it right. But that doesn't mean it's still the wrong thing. It's just a case of you might win 10 and lose 10 rather than win and lose consecutively for 20 games in a row for a while or something like that. So yeah. Yeah, or... or- draw 20 games as I think we did under Jack Ross uh, one season but uh, oh, the yeah, one, I mean, one season <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean you could yeah. uh, you could make money out of it at the bookies but uh, yeah. that wasn't much use apart from that but uh, but yeah I mean in, in terms of the, the, the kind of season ahead I think Lee Johnson mentioned it again in, in the interview you had with him Christian Speakman's talked about it as well in terms of it being a, a long-term project getting these young players in developing them I mean do you think that's partly to dampen expectations that Obviously, Sunderland fans are expecting promotion. And if we don't achieve it, you know, is that kind of something they can fall back on? Or do you think they're really building and saying, well, if we build well enough in League One, then if when the championship comes around, we're in a better position to go and attack it? Yeah, I think Sunderland fans do need to, to some extent, look at how much better the club looks in terms of shape off the pitch as well as on it. The squad might not be quite where it needs to be on the pitch, which might hold you back a little bit this season. But away from the pitch, things just look so much better than they have for the last few years. And as we've seen in the last few years, the jump from League One to the Championship is starting to look almost as big as the jump from the Championship to the Premier League. We see these clubs go up and down. and I mean, Rotherham, for example, Wickham up and down. It's it's a hard league to settle in now. Because again, when you get to the Championship, there are about 15 teams all trying to push for promotion. And the problem is, Sunderland, when you do go up, as you will go up at some point, the immediate expectations will then be to jump forward again and get straight to the Premier League because, again, you'll be one of the biggest and not the biggest club in that league as well when you get there. So there has to be some kind of understanding that the longer you stay in these leagues once you've been relegated, the harder it becomes to get back up once the money from the Championship dries up a little bit and even the money you had from the Premier League goes as well. And there 
foundations do need to be built things do need to be kind of put back in place so you can get back into a position where you can push back towards where you need to be and that might take a while but that naturally doesn't then make things any easier when you're getting turned over three nil at Hillsborough for example on a Saturday or a Tuesday night whenever it was I, I completely understand that and again I, I'm not emotionally invested in Sunderland in terms of being a fan so it's so easy for me to sit here and say relax it's all going to work itself out but then you do have to remind yourself that football is essentially never ending if you there, there will always be our chances to go up there are going to be good seasons and bad seasons the most important thing is that the club is there healthy and in good shape with a good fan base there behind it and you're all just that's that's what the club is it's it's fans it's people going to the games having a good time and that's the most important thing and as long as the custodians at the top of the club are running the club properly and you're going to be there challenging whether you go up or not that should be secondary to what is the most important thing and I, I imagine there are a lot of fans who do realize after the turmoil of Ellis Short and what's happened since and all, all the madness that if you do have someone genuinely there who has the best interest of the club at heart, you will get to where you need to be eventually and just got to enjoy the ride until you get there. Mm. Well, that's a that's a perfect uh, summary to end up on our conversation about uh, Sunderland. If we can uh, m- move on uh, and have a quick uh, word on our opponents at the Stadium Light on Saturday, which is uh, Ipswich Town. And we talked about um, how Sunderland did things a little differently in the summer. And um, Ipswich, on the other hand, I mean, they, they had fans of all the other clubs in League One kind of running a bit scared and a bit frustrated with their own clubs as... Ipswich seemed to just hoover up any player on the market who had a bit of experience at this level. But they got off to a slow start this season. So, I mean, it goes to show, I mean, they, they try to kind of blitz almost and get all their transfer work done early. Um, but there's no guarantees, no matter how you, you do your transfer business at, uh, in League One. Well, it was 673 players they signed in the summer, something like that, <laughs> everyone who came on the market. One it or was two like, more, I think. It was like when you, um, I don't know if you ever played football manager back in the day or even now, and... You know, when you put in offers for about 15 players and they all get accepted and you accidentally <laughs> sign them all, it kind of felt a bit like that. They just put in a bid for everyone and saw what happened. But again, they're another club who you wouldn't expect to be in League One and one of the many that are fighting to get back out of it. I mean, they were in Europe at the turn of the century and now they're in they're at the bottom end of League One not too long ago. And another good example, again, of a lot of their fans, the should we call them the vociferous Twitter minority, weren't happy with Paul Cook at all at the start of the season. And Paul Cook is, a at this level and championship level, is a brilliant, brilliant manager. And he's someone who has a style of play and he just needs to drill it into them. And they wanted him gone. Not Again, not all of them we're talking about. It's, it's too easy to conflate a few fans on Twitter with 35,000 in the stadium sometimes. But again, that's just the nature of social media and the beast and the knee-jerk reactions of modern-day football. Yeah. But they again, they're on the march up the table now, which is a problem for you guys because they're another team that are going to be in the mix fighting for those top two spots that are currently occupied by two teams that maybe no one thought would be there anyway in the first place. So Wigan less so than Plymouth. But yeah, it's um, it will be a tough challenge on Saturday because they've, they've again turned a little bit again, but you're not you're never going to win 15 games in a row in this league. There are going to be good days and bad days, but they'll they'll be there or thereabouts who I thought with some of the players they have in their team that quite frankly should probably still be playing in the championship. So, and a manager who would be still in the championship if it wasn't for what happened at Wigan when he was there as well. So yeah, there'll be a tough proposition. It'll be a tough game, but it's a game you guys probably do need to win to lighten yeah. the atmosphere a little bit, shall we say, and turn things back the way they need to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, I mean, because I think you, you kind of touched on that, but I'm, I'm not sure where Ipswich are at the moment because you know, they, they they obviously did pick up the four points behind us in ninth, but they've played two more games. I mean, they've they've lost one in the last seven, but 
they've won one in the last three. So mm. I'm, I'm not sure, as you said, I mean, they pick back up again, but are they on another slight dip? I'm not quite sure where Ipswich are at the moment. I think they're just mid between both. It's so easy in this league to suddenly go from a, a run that looks like amazing to, you can say unbeaten in six and then suddenly it can become two wins in eight or something like that. And it's mm. so it's just how about you skew the stats to make it look. But again, they're another example of why just having a good manager and a, signing a whole load of players at the start of the season is... It's never that straightforward. That it just proves to you how important coaching and shape and tactics and structure are. That you can't just chuck twenty players into a team straight away and expect it to all work out straight away. That's why everyone needs time that they don't get. You see it throughout the leagues of managers who just sort of manage to finally manage who do get time, turn it in the right direction. And that's not to say every manager should get time. In terms of there are some managers who things do need to be moved on and changed, but. Some sackings just do happen far too quickly when bad runs happen because of just reactions to it. And you do need that to happen. I mean, look at Bolton last season in League Two. They were 18th until about February. And I remember interviewing Ian Ever, and he said they he thought they were the best team in the league. I know he says that a lot. But I think last season he did genuinely mean it when he said it. And he got them on a crazy run. They were similar to Ipswich in terms of the amount of players they signed. Massive club at that level. Should never have been in League Two and went on that run and did it. And it can just happen if you genuinely have faith in who's in charge and what they're doing and it you will get there in the end and that is I know that's the message I'm trying to portray but I do genuinely with Lee Johnson believe it I just don't see if he goes who would be there doing a better job with the squad at the disposal at the moment than him yeah yeah and um I mean it's, it's a huge game I think you you said it before it's a huge game for both sides and and actually you know for a start it's one of those fixtures that that come around that is kind of strange for the third tier but it has that feeling about it where you wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't much between the two sides come May and people look back to this game thinking, you know, that was actually a huge game. It reminds me of the Sunderland-Portsmouth face-offs from a couple of years ago where yeah. it always happens with these games when I'm looking at them. I always look with a kind of twisted interest at when these two sides last played each other in the Premier League and what the teams were and some of the players that were playing in that match. And you think, how's it sort of come to this? How's this a a third tier scrap and a Johnson's paint trophy final now, whatever the Papa John's, whatever that competition is called now. Yeah. And it's always, again, I'll do it the same before this weekend. I'll have a look at Sunderland Ipswich last time you guys played each other in the top flight and the links between the clubs. And it's just, yeah, it, this game shouldn't be a league one game, but it's a league one game because Sunderland were poorly run for a few years and plummeted into league one and Ipswich were just underinvested and the owner got a bit fed up of it from there. So that, that's what happens. Good clubs rise, I mean, good, well-run clubs rise and poorly-run clubs fall eventually, and that's the nature of it. And there'll always be some of some and some of the other. You can't possibly have 72 brilliantly-run clubs in the Football League as much as we'd all love that to happen. It's just not the nature of it because clubs will enter mini-crises and this and that will happen. And that is just where we find ourselves at the moment, where we're looking. I'm looking at the table now, and you can see I'm looking at Sunderland, Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich, Portsmouth, Bolton, 7th to 11th. And between yeah. them, you've got Oxford and Cambridge sandwiching that. And that's just... That's bizarre. Those five teams, there must have been a point where they're all in the Premier League at the same time, or at least four of them were all scrapping out to try and get into the UEFA Cup or something. And now they're down here. It's just, it's, it's madness, really. But it's just, yeah, it's football and it's, it's why we love it and hate it and why it drives us mad and hysterical and why we delight in it. So, yeah. <laughs> yep, that pretty much sums where Sunderland fans yeah. are at at the minute, that last <laughs> sentence. But, uh, but I mean, just out of interest in your role, I mean, you were talking about a big game. Do you ever get out about to the to the grounds to take in a game or cover a game or anything? It's harder during the season than it is 
during the the playoffs and stuff. The playoffs is when I I do get out, but that the last year and a half we've not been able to go anywhere, and that's when I've really stepped up in this role, and that's when I would want to get out to games and stuff. So yeah, the, the, I, I want to make it back to the stadium flight as soon as I can. It's been it's been much longer than I'd like, but yeah, it's it's again because of where I'm based in West London, so I have to go where's realistic for me to get from work because obviously. If you're there on a Saturday, you've got twelve thirty game, then you've got all the three o'clocks to cover as well. So it doesn't make it easy. But yeah, the playoffs. Hopefully, well, hopefully Sun will go up in the top two. But from my perspective, hopefully Sun will be in the playoffs. So I can come up to the northeast and watch you guys play again properly. That's the dream for yeah. me. But obviously, I apologise for saying that because you'll all want to be in the top two, celebrating <laughs> and having a pint and be on holiday by May with having a beer by a pool somewhere, enjoying it and looking yeah. forward to the championship next season. So. Yeah, we are we are a bit little bit tired of those playoffs, so it would it would be nice just yeah. one year to to uh, finish above them. But uh, but yeah, I, I mean one of the reasons I was asking uh, it was announced I think fortnight ago that um, we had at least one game on Sky over over Christmas. I think because um, mainly remember the reaction to our kickoff times being moved. I think <laughs> which was um, which went off the scale. But uh, but anyway, I can uh, but, I can apologize I can apologize <laughs> for that whilst also saying it has nothing to do with me. <laughs> And I can guarantee you no one was more distressed by the Christmas schedule than I was because it's completely <laughs> destroyed all my festive plans. So again, I can't complain too much because I have one of the best jobs in the world in terms of what I do yeah. covering the Football League. But yeah, the scheduling for this Christmas is not ideal. And I don't like it, with, especially they should never move games off Boxing Day, quite frankly, mm-hmm. for yeah. one, because that's, that's a sacred day. But it's, it is how it is, I hope. Yeah, yeah unfortunately, was it's a, a shame. But There was it. A- a huge reaction to that but um but anyway but on yeah. that on that note um i just want to say thank you very much uh, simeon it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, thank you very much for your time what i will say is we also get as many complaints when we don't show people's games as when we do show people's games so it's about <laughs> even in measure so if, if your games are being shown it generally means you're doing well so you can't complain too much so yeah but yeah no thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it. it's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege to come on and speak to you and hopefully i've helped provide a bit of a uh, an outlook of what it's like from Sunderland from outside of the club and a bit of perspective on what's going on yeah. and yeah best of luck for the rest of the season all of you hope you get back into the championship because it'd be great to have you back there fighting it back out to get hopefully back to the Premier League again one day as well yeah and then just quickly I will I will reply to that saying um, I'm not too fussed because actually we're usually rubbish when we're live on Sky so I'm <laughs> not I'm not uh, I'm not too fussed but uh, but yeah hopefully we can catch up again uh, towards the business end of the season and you can um, maybe give us yeah your crystal ball predictions when things look a bit, um, well, they sort themselves out a bit. But uh, but thanks again, Simeon. Really appreciate it. No problem, mate. Thank you. Good stuff. And thanks again, everyone, for listening. Uh, keep a look out at Rocker Report for all the build-up ahead of the game on Saturday and keep an eye out on all the usual places for the next pod that should be dropping very soon. But from us, it's bye for now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.